1 Corinthians chapter 11, we're going to have a wonderful experience today as we have communion, as we worship Jesus through the unleavened bread and the fruit of the vine. You know, Paul was not in the upper room. He wasn't there when they had the first, quote, communion, the first Lord's Supper. He wasn't there. But you know what? (laughs) Jesus told him all about it. When he was in the desert, you know, and alone, Jesus taught him everything. He says in Galatians, "I, I neither received it from man nor was taught by man, but by the Lord when I was out in the desert. And so Jesus gave him the first-hand account about what happened in that upper room. I want you to think about this word. I want you to think about the word covenant. All right? When a man and a woman are married, they make a covenant. A covenant with God and a covenant with each other. And they have covenant vows. I mean, you know, it's a covenant. And it's with God and with each other. And people are constantly making covenants with each other. I didn't read the whole article, but I think on the front page of the paper, it was about two young men, and I didn't get to read it all, who when they were much younger kind of made a covenant with each other and how they're still uh, as friendship, they still carrying that out. I got to go finish reading that, but it was basically what it was. Maybe you've made some covenants with with people. A lot of times, when a person, really, when you join a church, if it's a Bible believing New Testament church, you're making a covenant to be in covenant with the rest of the people of that church. Now there are two covenants that God instituted. One, the old covenant, the Old Testament, which was based on law. Then there was the new covenant based on grace. Now, I want you to notice what Jesus told Paul about the communion and about the Lord's Supper. I'm reading in verse 23 of 1 Corinthians 11. I received from the Lord. He said, I got this from the Lord, y'all. <laughs> I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Now, listen to what he says here. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, now listen to this. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Significant. This cup is the new covenant, wait a minute, in my blood. This do, as often as you drink it, In remembrance of me, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Now, 
what I want to talk to you about is the new covenant in his blood. The old covenant was based on the law, the Ten Commandments. The problem was because of the sinfulness and the wickedness of our heart, we could not keep the moral law of God. Everyone in this room has broken the Ten Commandments. Every one of us. And so the, 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 the old covenant, instead of giving us life and hope, brought death. Listen to verse 19 of Romans 3. You don't need to turn. We know that whatever the law says, the moral law of God, it says to those who are under the law, why? That every mouth may be stopped. The law shows us our sin. And that the whole world may become guilty before God. There's no person born since Adam except Jesus who perfectly kept the Ten Commandments. Only Jesus. The rest of us have broken it and we're all sinners. And so it says here, every mouth has been stopped. And the whole world becomes guilty before God. By the deeds of the law, no flesh shall be justified in his sight. There's no life in the old covenant. The moral law of God is as valid and as important as it has ever been. And to say that the Ten Commandments don't matter today would be an absolute incorrect truth. But we understand we can only keep them by the power of Christ in us. But now the new covenant is through the blood of Christ. It's through the blood of Jesus. And where the old covenant was law, the new covenant is based on grace. But notice he said, it is the, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Now I want to show you a passage that is absolutely awesome. If you want to turn, turn to Hebrews chapter 9. If, you, if not, you, you just listen. But now this talks about how Jesus brought about the new covenant with his blood. Hebrews chapter 9. And it begins in verse 11. Now, it's going to show us how that with his blood, his own shed blood, which is his life blood. When we speak of the blood of Christ, we speak of the very life blood of Jesus. The life that flowed through his veins. It was through his life blood being poured out that the new covenant came into existence. And so in verse 11 of Hebrews 9. But Christ came as high priest of good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle. Talking about the heavenly tabernacle in heaven. It was not made with hands, not of, with this creation. Now, all right, here it is. Listen, listen with your heart. Not with the blood of goats and calves. That's what they'd always used in the earthly tabernacle. In the earthly tabernacle, the people would bring the best of the flock, they would sacrifice them in the outer court day after day, day after day. Lambs, goats, all would be sacrificed on that brazen altar out there. Once a year, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies and sprinkle the mercy seat with the blood. But now, Jesus is going into the heavenly uh, Holy of Holies, into the heavenly mercy seat. Now, listen to what it says. Not with the blood of goats and calves. But with his own blood, 
He entered the most holy place. With his own blood as the great high priest, he went inside the veil into the holy of holies, into the presence of the mercy seat. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once and for all, having obtained, he did it once and for all, never had to do it again, once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies the purifying of the flesh, you know, those temporary sacrifices. Boy, look at verse 14. How much more? If those temporary sacrifices would cover sin for a while, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, perfect sacrifice, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Don't miss verse 15. For this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant. He said, because Jesus went into the heavenly holy of holies with his own blood and sprinkled the mercy seat, guess what? He is now the mediator of a new covenant. His one sacrifice, his one shedding of his life blood immediately made possible a new covenant between God and man, not based on the law, but based on the grace of God and the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ. It says, for this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant, that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant, those who were called may receive the promise of eternal life. But now look, he had to die for the covenant to be in effect. It says, verse 16, for where there is a testament, a covenant, it is also the necessity of the death of the covenant maker. Okay, so in a moment we'll drink of the cup. You know what that is picture? It's the blood of Christ. That's his symbol. It was through his lifeblood that God made a new covenant between man and God. God and man. And now through the precious blood of Christ, our sins have been paid for, past, present, and future. And when we come before God confessing our sin and our wickedness and our rebellion and realize that our only hope of ever being forgiven and ever being in a covenant relationship with God is through the precious blood of Christ. So we come in repentance of sin and faith in Jesus Christ, trusting Him and His precious blood only for our salvation. At that time, when Christ comes into our heart, we enter into a covenant relationship with God. And it is an eternal covenant purchased by the blood of Christ. And that eternal covenant not only includes the forgiveness of sin and the salvation of our soul, but eternal life. So, no wonder Jesus said to Paul, you know what that all meant in the upper room? That unleavened bread was a picture of my sinless body. He said, but I'm going to tell you about fruit of the vine. That is the blood of the new covenant. The new covenant purchased by my blood. Can I tell you something? And, and this will shock some of you, but some of you it won't. There's a movement today among um, 
many areas where they want to play down the blood of Christ. They say, well, we don't want a bloody religion. I'm going to tell you something. To make light of or to diminish the significance of the lifeblood of Jesus Christ borders on blasphemy. Did you know that? I want you to know that. I had one man say to his music director who came on his staff, he said, don't, you, you're not to sing any songs about the blood of Christ because people don't understand it. How does he know what the Holy Spirit can help people to understand? He's the one that doesn't understand it. Man, I got to reading through the scriptures about the blood of Christ. And I'm telling you, I just, I said, oh, what, 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 how significant in the kingdom of God and in the new covenant is the lifeblood of Jesus that was poured out for our sins. I'm just going to read, for you, read you about four or five verses. Now, now, listen to this. I want you to listen carefully. How precious the blood of Christ is. How central it is to our forgiveness and our redemption and the new covenant. It says in Romans 5, 8, 9, God demonstrates his love toward us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, are you ready? Much more, having now been justified by his blood. Did you hear what he just said? We've been justified by his blood. We shall be saved from wrath through him. Then you move on from Romans and you move over to Ephesians chapter 1. And I'm just letting you see how central the blood of Christ is to the new covenant and how without the shedding of his lifeblood there would be no remission of sin and listen in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 listen at this in him Jesus we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sin According to the riches of his grace. We're justified by his blood. We have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our sin. Chapter 2 of Ephesians. Verse 13. Listen at this. How do, you get, how do you draw near to God? How is it that God is holy, holy, holy? And here we are, sinful. How can sinful man ever be drawn near to holy God? You want to know? Listen at this. Ephesians 2.13. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. The only way you can approach holy God is through the blood of Christ. You who once were far off are brought near by the blood of Christ. And you're going over to the next book, Colossians chapter 1. Right after Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Just listen how the lifeblood of Jesus poured out on the cross for us is the absolute centrality of the new covenant. And without the shedding of his lifeblood, there would be no remission of sin. And over in Colossians 1, 13 and 14, listen. He delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of his Son. Listen, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sin. Couldn't be any plainer than that. But you know, some places, 
They, they won't preach about the blood of Christ. They say people don't understand it. It is the Holy Spirit of God that communicates it. Let me tell you something. I mean, they're not preaching the gospel. I mean, the blood of Christ is absolutely central. And then there's one, 1 Peter 1, 19. I want you to listen to this. Over in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 19, it talks about, uh, it's such an awesome verse. It says, here it is. Knowing that you were purchased, not with corruptible things like silver or gold, from your aimless conduct received from the attrition of your fathers, but you were redeemed, purchased, paid for, with the precious blood of Christ. Precious. As the lamb without spot and blemish. Then there's just one other verse. And this, this, this verse right here, to me, is just, it's just a, I don't know, it's just such an awesome picture. See, Jesus said, now this cup is the blood, uh, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. And then we go all through the Bible and understand that it was about the shedding of the lifeblood of Jesus, and he poured out his precious blood that we could be forgiven and we could be saved. And that, have you ever noticed how many, how, how, how many songs are written in the hymn book about the blood of Christ? Have you ever noticed that? That's all, that's all kinds of them. In fact, there's one that I could sing the first part and you could sing the second part. So I'm going to sing the second, first part and then you answer me, okay? You ready? What can wash away my sin? What can make me whole again? Then together. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. That word, wash away my sins. I want you to look at Revelation 1, 5. Man, I read this and I said, I don't know whether to shout or to run or to do what I need to do. I've heard it so many times, but I could see the picture. Here was the picture. Romans 1, 5 says, And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, hallelujah, and listen to this. You want to know who's in charge? He's the ruler over the kings of the earth. You know, I guess that guy in Iran and I guess the president of the U.S. and all these people, they've just forgotten one thing. They think they're the ruler. Jesus is the ruler over all the kings of the earth. And he'll have the final word, glory to God. And now I'll tell you what, they need to fear God. It says, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler over the kings of the earth. Now listen to this. Gosh. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Somehow I got the picture. He loved me and he washed me 
from my sins in his own blood. Salvation is free, but it is not cheap. It costs the lifeblood of the Son of God. So today, as we observe the Lord's Supper together, communion, hey, we're celebrating the new covenant in His blood, which involves the forgiveness of our sin. We become a new creation in Christ. We receive the perfect righteousness of Jesus. We become children of God. God is our Father. Jesus is our Savior and our Lord. The Holy Spirit, our indwelling comforter. Heaven is our destination. Man, we, we're in a new covenant. He said in the new covenant, he spoke about it twice in Hebrews. He said, I'm going to write my law in their hearts and in their minds. And as a part of the new covenant, their sins and, and, and iniquities, I will remember no more. When you wash something away, it's gone. He loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. I want to ask you, have you responded to the blood of Christ? How have you responded to the blood of Christ? Have you received Jesus and his shed blood as your only hope for forgiveness and eternal life? You know what the Bible says? Hebrews 10, just listen. Those that despised Moses' law died without mercy before two or three witnesses. If a person despised the law of Moses, they'd stone him or whatever, you know. He said, now, if, if those who despised Moses' law died without mercy before two or three witnesses, of how much greater punishment shall they be thought worthy who have trampled underfoot the Son of God, and counted the blood of his covenant an unholy thing and refused the Spirit of grace. You know, if a person rejects, counts as unholy the precious blood of Christ, and if they refuse the Spirit of grace, think of the judgment of God. If, man, those who broke Moses' law died without mercy before two or three, of how much greater punishment those who have trampled Jesus under their feet and counted the blood of his covenant as an unholy thing, and they've resisted the grace of God. How have you responded to the lifeblood of Jesus? that was shed on the cross for you.